0: Well, hey, good morning, Brookside. It's great to see everybody uh, here today. Thanks for, thanks for joining us today. You know, we're in our series called things to fight for. Really looking forward to where we're, where we're headed this morning. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about and I wanted to celebrate with you a little bit some of the things that have been happening this week. It's been a fun week. We've been able to see uh, God do a lot of things through the life of our church. And I just want to celebrate some of those with you. You know, we love coming together in this place and we love inviting as many people as we can to in this place. But as much as we like this gathering, we also, as a church, we feel this strong calling and this strong desire to be a church that's constantly sending people out. And to really um, be sending people to do the mission that God gives us to do. And uh, so this week has been fun. Let me just recap a few of these uh, for you. Uh, On Saturday, we had um, Saturday Serve. So this whole group of people, they were down at the Open Door Mission. They packed over 1,000 boxes to help families that are really struggling to have the next meal. And so it was a blessing just for uh, a big group to be able to go down there and do that. And then on Thursday, we had uh, nine Brookside's head to Greece. And while they're in Greece, they're gonna be uh, working with Muslim refugees. And these refugees have experienced terrorism, they've experienced war, they've experienced extreme poverty. And for many of them, they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time. And so we're so excited and are praying for this team as, as they're there uh, working uh, with these uh, people that are displaced and, um, and have a lot of needs. Um, and then on Friday, it was really fun to see we had 45 of our Brooksiders return from Royal Family Kids Camp. And that's a camp where we just get to pour into the lives of kids that are in the foster care system for a week. And uh, we get to remind these kids that they are dearly loved by God, regardless of their family situation. Um, And then. Uh, after that we just again just so much fun stuff going on on this last Saturday as well we had a group uh, go to North Omaha we had a, there was a big block party that we got to be a part of about 2,500 people came to that and we got to join with another ministry and uh, really just to be a blessing in a North Omaha neighborhood so that was great for us to be a part of. And then we also last night, late last night, we had 14 guys from the Dominican Republic. Um, Our guys come back from the Dominican Republic. So welcome back, guys. But they were down there and they were partnering with two churches that were helping to plant. And they were also working on the Shawl Ministry House. And so lots of good things going on in the Dominican Republic. And then tonight, our high schoolers will be going out. They're going to be going to Indiana for their summer trip. So let's be praying this week for Brad and for all of those students. And then lastly, I wanted to mention this, just heard about this. There's a family in our church that they had just a big, big party last night in their backyard, a big movie night. And their whole desire is they want to continue to have a reach into their neighborhood. So they just invite as many people as they can and and their desire is to build relationships with those people. And so uh, I, again, just want to share with you, I love us gathering in this place, but equally we look at the mission that God's given us. It's incredible, isn't it? And uh, we want to be ascending church, and so would you join me? And let's just thank um, let's thank God for what He's doing in our midst this summer. So, yeah, awesome. And I too, I just want to say thank you to all of you as a church. Um, You're the kind of church that you freely give of the things that have been entrusted to you. And so thank you for that. Um, What God is doing in this city and really not just locally but even globally through the efforts of this church, it is significant. And so thank you for being uh, a vital, vital part of that. I also want to mention to you that next weekend, Father's Day weekend, is going to be a weekend you're not going to want to miss around here. We're going to have some special things planned for dads where we want to celebrate the dads in our midst. Uh, we're also going to have a guest speaker with us next weekend. His name is Myron Pierce, and he's become a friend of mine over the course of the last three or four years. And I think you're going to love his story. It's inspirational. He's a leader of leaders, and I think you'll really enjoy uh, the time that we're going to have together next weekend. So invite a friend. Make sure that uh, all the dads in your life are are here for that weekend. I think it'll be a a great one for us. Well, I mentioned to you uh, several of the ways that we're seeing God use uh, people to have an impact. And I'm really excited about our topic for this morning because we're going to be talking about in our series called Things to Fight For, we're going to be talking about, well, what does it mean to fight for our identity? And the reason I'm really excited about that is because if our identity is right, it will allow us to have impact. But if our identity is off, if we don't know who we are, if we don't know the truth about what God thinks about you and what he thinks about me, it's going to be hard for us to live with impact. And so very excited for where we're going this morning. So I would ask you now even, would you join me and let's just go before the Lord and let's just say, Lord, we come to you and we're praying, we're asking you now that you would really speak to us in this place. So yeah, join me and, and, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, Lord, thank you for your church, and um, Father, thank you for the things that we get to be a part of as a church, Lord, it's truly an honor, And, and Father, we just come before you this morning, and we don't just ask this flippantly, but we just ask it with a whole lot of passion and a whole lot of desire, and we say, God, would you continue to expand our reach? God, would you expand our capacity to do good, to bring hope for people to be able to know you through the efforts of your people? And so, Lord, we just we petition you for that, and we look forward to what you'll do. And then, Lord, this morning as we turn to your word, Father, we just pray in this moment that you would speak to us. God, there's not a person here, and you know this, there's not a person here, church, that's here by accident. But you wanted us here, God, and so we just humbly say to you now, Lord, would you speak to us in this place? God, I pray that you would give someone a nudge or a touch from you today that maybe they didn't even see coming, but they're so glad that you did. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to do that. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, the reason why this topic uh, made the list, really, of in this series called Things to Fight For, is we chose what we thought were the things that really rose to the very top. Things that don't always come easy in life, that sometimes you got to put on the gloves and you got to go to battle for them, right? This one this morning, Fighting for Our Identity, it's definitely one of those that's worth the fight. It's definitely worth knowing, what does God see in you? When God sees you, what goes through the mind of God? There are plenty of voices that speak into your identity, right? There are plenty of things that will help inform what maybe they want you to think about who you truly are. But this morning, we're going to go to God's word and we're going to say, okay, what does scripture say? What does God want me to know about myself, about my identity? Imagine if you and I were sitting across table from each other and we were just able to have a conversation and in that conversation I simply asked you this question I said who are you who are you what's your identity what what defines you what would you say it really matters to you what are the things that define who you are what would you say maybe you would point to the things maybe that you do Maybe you would say this, maybe you'd say, I'm a manager, I'm a CEO, I'm a CFO. Maybe you'd say, I'm a carpenter. Maybe you'd say, I'm a parent. Maybe you'd say, I'm a grandparent. Maybe you would say, I'm a, I'm a student right now. Um, whatever it would be, what would you say defines you? What are the things that you would point to? Here's one thing for sure, don't miss this church. If our identity gets wrapped up in what we do, we're going to be in trouble. Because if you ever notice that what you do tends to change over time, Or have you ever noticed that not only do you do the things you do, but also other people do? And so a lot of other people actually maybe even do the things you do better than you do. And so if you live in that world, you're constantly comparing, and that's no fun place to live, is it? You don't want to be identified at your core by what you do. You want to be identified by who you are. And so this morning, we're going to ask this key question that regardless of what you do, we're going to ask the question, who are you? And then we're going to look specifically at this one. What is true about you? What is true about you according to God? What does God say about you? When God looks at you in the mirror, what does he think? What goes through the mind of God? And do you see yourself as God sees you? Or do you see someone completely different that doesn't match what God would say of you at all? Maybe you would say even today, I mean, I've, be, I've believed a lie for a long time. And it's really shaped my identity. And my identity maybe is a little bit off. Or would you say this, yes, I know my identity. I know who God has created me to be. I know what God says. My prayer for you this morning, and um, I just, I hope that I don't get too passionate this morning actually. Because um, I just really pray that you're able to walk out of here today. And you're able to know, because this is so important. I pray that you're able to know, what does your Heavenly Father say about you? What does He say about you? I mean, what does He think about you? What is the truth behind that? Um, so we're going to a, a, a very important passage this morning. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. And, but before that we get there, I just want to help kind of frame this for you, this whole topic of an identity. So I want you to think of it this way. Imagine that you raise a child, or imagine that you have a child that you mentor for a long time, meaning you really pour into this child's life, and you speak truth into them. You tell them things that you want them to know are the foundation of who they are. You know how God has made them, and so you speak truth into them. You're constantly shaping and chiseling and molding their character. Why? Because you love them so much. And so you keep just you know pouring it on to this child. You speak truth into them, and they believe that. But now this child, imagine it now. Imagine this child. They, they grow up and they 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 leave your presence for a while, and over time, it doesn't happen in a day. But over time, they begin to forget the identity that you've instilled in them. They begin to forget the things that are very foundationally true about who they are, and you spoke big things into them. You spoke big dreams into them because you believed that God had that for them because you knew how God uh, uniquely wired them and what God thought of them. And so you watch, though, as this child grows and as they forget who they truly are, and it breaks your heart. It's the hardest thing you could ever watch. And if there's anything that you could do, you would love just to get that child and just to set them down and just say, Hey, do you remember, remember what we talked about? Do you remember what I spoke into you? Do you remember who you are? Do you remember remember the things that I said to you? Let me ask you this question. Now imagine this. Imagine that God is watching you. Imagine that God is watching your life. He's watching you grow. He's watching you progress along in life. Are his thoughts, yes, that child of mine, they really know with a lot of clarity. They understand who they are. Or would God look at your life and say, oh, I just want to tell you. I just want to reinforce who you truly are. This subject is so important. And the reason why it's so important is because it lays a foundation for everything. This one is worth fighting for because it affects your marriage. It affects how you raise your kids. It affects how you grandparent. It affects you if you're single. It affects every area of life, all that you say, all that you do. When God looks at you, he longs to see you. He longs for you to see yourself as he sees you. You know, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, first of all, I I would just say, so glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. Because you're going to be able, I think, to be able to leave here today and you're going to have a very uh, very clear picture. You're going to kind of have an idea of what defines a follower of Jesus Christ. What does God see when he sees one of his children? A person that said, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. What is true about that person? But not only their identity. You're going to be able to see this morning, okay, when my identity's right, how does that play out in my life? Like what does that truly look like? And I'm often just blown away, if I think about it long enough, I'm blown away that I get to experience God's grace and his goodness. And I just, I pray for you this morning that you would receive the goodness of God. That this picture of who God is, that maybe God would just get out the paintbrush today and he would take your identity and he would just reshape and recolor the canvas of your life, your identity. I pray that you'll see that picture uh, this morning. And then for others of you, you might be here today and you would say this, I'm a Christian. You might say, yes, I'm on the team. Yes, I have suited up, but I don't feel like I'm really in the game. I mean, I hear people, I hear, you know, pastor types talking about this life with God and how God offers us life to the full, but the reality is I don't sense that I'm really in the game. It doesn't seem like I'm experiencing all that it could be. I want you to have some hope this morning because I think, again, when our identity, when we truly fight for our identity of who you truly are in Christ, it changes everything. And so, our text this morning is 1 Peter, it's chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. So, I'm going to read this all the way through and then uh, we'll go back and we'll work through each, uh, each phrase of it. Okay, here we go. Verse 9 it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, I'll just be honest with you. I personally need to hear a text like this all the time. Some of you are like me, and and you oftentimes, you carry around more pressure than you should. Right? More pressure than you really need to bear. And I think what you're going to find is this. When you get your identity right, when you really think about when you really look at the scriptures and go, who am I in Christ? And the Bible talks a ton about who we are. When you get that right, you're going to find that it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like a a weight that's taken off of your shoulders. And so the scene in 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2 is this. Peter the Apostle, he's looking at this church and he's he's talking to them and they're, they're followers of Jesus Christ primarily. And so in chapter one, he wants them to know exactly all that Jesus Christ has done for them. Now, when we get to chapter two, he begins to turn the corner a little bit, and it's from there it's like, well, what does that mean for you? What does that mean in light of all that Christ has done for us? What does that mean for our identity? What does that mean for us to walk with him? So let's go through this passage, and I would encourage you, maybe you underline some of these things. You don't want to um, not have these things just highlighted in your mind, okay? So here's the first one. The first one I want to focus on is this. It says this, but you are a chosen people. Now notice this right off the bat. It doesn't say you are a chosen individual. It's bigger than that. Yes, that's true, you are a chosen uh, individual, but it's bigger, it's a people, it's a race. Some translations, they translate it this way, you are a chosen race. But it's a race that goes across all cultures, all colors, whites and blacks and Hispanics and Indians and Asians and Afghans and Iranians. Every single tribe and tongue and color and race, it's beautiful. There are no barriers in God's race not a single one it's a bigger group it's this group that's called the kingdom of god and it's the blending of people who have put their faith in jesus christ but notice that it says this that they are a chosen group and this is why you can sit across from the table from somebody who has looks very different from you they come from a completely different culture maybe they come from a completely different socioeconomic status than you a different position than you but you can have something that is so incredibly important and that is common between the two of you. You belong to the same family if they're a follower of Jesus Christ and you are as well. It breaks down all barriers. But know this, this chosen people, they're not marked by race, they're not marked by uh, economic standing, they're not marked by any of that. They're marked by one key thing. They're marked by being chosen. I love this, Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, it says that we were chosen. You Think about this, church, all of you, you were chosen before the foundations of the earth. That means that God had you in mind before the foundation of the earth, before his creation. It's beautiful. You know, we see throughout the scriptures that it, when it comes to God talking about how he relates to, to us, again, right, the core of our identity, this is so important. Well, when he talks about how he relates to us, oftentimes we see in the scriptures this word that's used, and it's this word, beautiful word, paints a beautiful picture, it's the word adoption. And there are many people in our church that have walked into an orphanage, and they've, they've sensed, God wants us to adopt a child, and so they've gone into an orphanage, and they've looked at a child, and they've said, we sense that God wants us to choose you. And they they say we're willing to go through the process, we're willing to pay the fees, we're willing to do all of it. Why? So that this child can become officially ours. So that we can adopt this child. Know this, our, our, our identity, your adoption, my adoption was paid in full through Jesus Christ. He paid it all for us, and it's extended to us. This relationship with him is extended to us. We are a chosen people, and the reason we can be chosen and the reason that we can grab a hold of that standing is because of what he has done for us. We are chosen people. Let's keep going. This next words are this that I want to highlight. We are a, here it is, you are a royal priesthood. Have you ever felt like you've been treated like royalty Have you ever had that that happen to you before? Like you felt like, wow, I am being treated much better than I think I deserve. Have you ever had that experience? Royal priesthood. What it simply means is this. It means that you and I are a part of the royal family. The best. The top of the top. The royal family. And then it says you are part of a royal priesthood. Simply means this. That you and I have full access to God that he is available to you and I 24-7. There isn't a time when God isn't available to you, and he knows exactly what your week was like. You are a royal priesthood. You know, we think about even the name that this summer camp has that, that these leaders just got back from, that ministers to foster care kids. What is it called? It's called Royal Family Kids Camp. Why is it named that? It's named that because you've got a bunch of kids that are going out for a week, and we want them to know more than anything else, your identity is not that of an orphan. You've been invited into, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been invited into the royal family. You're a part of the royal priesthood. There is full access for you to be with God, your heavenly father. That's what you're a part of. You know, after these kids arrive back here at the church on on Friday afternoon... I just, I, I watched for just a little bit and, and I was standing by a door as these kids were kind of coming and going and there was this little boy, uh, his name is Mark and, and he was leaving to go back to his home and as he's walking out the door, he's just crying. I mean, just tears just flowing down his face. And I'm like, oh, I gotta get out of here. I don't know how these beautiful volunteers did this all week, you know, how hard. And this kid's crying, but you know why he was crying? You know why he was so upset? He had been treated Like royalty for a week. He had experienced what is it like to be a part of the family of God? Know this: your identity is rooted in the fact that you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, you are an heir of the living God. That is amazing. That is a standing like no other. Have you ever had a backstage pass? Ever gone to a game or to a concert and you had a backstage pass, full access? I've gotten these a couple times, and they are awesome. I mean, you can go everywhere. You have your little lanyard on with this card that kind of says who you're with and all that. And I remember one time we were in this food line, this big buffet, and Aiden, my son, looked at me and he goes, Dad, can we have this food? And I was like, yeah, don't look at anybody, but just show your badge like that. Show your badge, right? But he was awesome. It was great. You know what it said? The badge said you're connected to, the, to this group. You, Christians know this. Church know this. You are a part of the royal family, the royal priesthood. God is not distant from you. He is so incredibly near. Distant is not a part of his nature. Not at all. You know, that truth alone, I was thinking about it this week, I think it changes everything for us. Because here's what it means. It means that God is with you in your rest, in your play, in your work, in your being, uh, if you're married, he's with you in your parenting, he's with you in singleness. It means that God is with you all the time. You live in the presence of a holy God, and let this blow your mind. You have full access to him. Now, I don't know about you, I have to continue to grow into that. I have to continue to grow in the reality of, oh, that's true, Because I can go a time without thinking about it. But when I do, when that really grabs my mind, the royal priesthood, meaning this, I'm in the royal family and I have full access all the time. That truth alone is beautiful. The next statement says this You are also a part of this, you are part of a holy nation. Again, it's not just one individual. This is a holy nation. This is a group. This is larger than Brookside. This is larger than all of the churches just in our city or in our state or in the United States. This is everybody around the globe that would say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a part of a holy nation, a huge group of people. I remember as a college student, I went to a conference, I was a new Christian, and I saw thousands of people worshiping Jesus all my age, and it blew my mind. I thought to myself, I didn't know there were this many Christians on the whole planet. But it did something for me. I think that that Peter's wanting us to know, you're not alone in your walk with God. You're not alone at all. You're a part of a holy nation. In chapter 1, Peter's gone into this explanation. He said, okay, I want you to live a holy life. But we know this. We don't get to live a holy life and to be a part of a holy nation based on ourselves. That comes only through Jesus Christ. I don't want to be responsible for my own holiness. I don't want to be accountable for it. I don't want to, uh uh-uh, not at all. I want Jesus Christ to be the one that stands in my heart place and so through Jesus Christ we become again a part of this holy nation and then don't miss this next line this is so cool it says this we are also God's special possession do you have anything that you just love do you have any possessions that maybe you keep it in the garage and you do not want anybody to touch it to dent it to scratch it and you surely don't want to lose it I remember my dad had a few things like that, and he wouldn't even wipe them down with a normal towel. He would use like a baby cloth because it wouldn't scratch it at all. It was that big of a deal, right? Do you have anything like that that is just, it's special to you? Know this, you are God's special possession, his special possession. You are a big deal to God, a huge deal to him. He wants you to know this. You're not just any old possession. No, no, you are a special possession. And if God ever lost you, or if you ever began to forget about your identity in Christ, it would break the heart of God. And he would want to speak to you and sit you down and say, you are my special possession. Sometimes I'll say to our kids, I said it to Easton last night, our little six-year-old boy, I said, I said, Easton, I said, if I lined up all, you've heard me say this before, if I lined up all the little boys in the entire world, every six-year-old little boy, and I said, I could only, and I said, I would choose you, Easton, every single time. And I said, Easton, the reason why I would choose you every single time is because you're so special to me. And so I said, Easton, so who would I choose every single time? And if I couldn't find you on the first day, I would look all night and into the next day. Easton, who would I choose every single time? And he said, you choose me. And I was like, where's the excitement, buddy? Come on. And then then he had the nerve to say this. He said, well, what about all the other kids? And I was like, I'm not God. I'm just trying to make you feel good. And no, you know, you are my special possession. Know this. That's how God thinks of you. God knows you like that. And God wants you to know. I mean, it's in the scriptures. You are his special possession. You know, one of the things I love about this passage is before we ever get any instruction on what to do, which we'll see now, it lays this incredible foundation. Before this point, here's what you do. We get this incredible picture. You are God's chosen people. You are a part of the royal family, the royal priesthood, you are God's special possession. You belong to a holy nation. And so then now we see this, looking forward in these verses, verse 9, it says this, it says, that you, so you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, here it is, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so my response to my identity is this, is that I declare the goodness of God. I declare the fact that once I lived in darkness, but now I have been brought out of that once, and you can think of when this was in your life, and it might even be right now. Once I would not have received the mercy of God had I stood in front of a holy God. But now through Jesus Christ, I receive mercy. I'm not held accountable for the wrong that I do in my life through my faith in Christ. I receive his mercy. And when I live in that identity of who I am as a child of God who has been chosen, who is someone who's a part of a holy nation, who is someone who is a part of the royal family, the royal priesthood, I have full access to God. When I live in that identity, the natural thing for me to do it's to declare the praises of God. The natural thing for me to do, it's to declare the fact that, yes, God, at one point I lived not knowing you. I never received your mercy. But, God, you called me out of that dark place by your grace. And you called me into a place where I'm living in your light. And because of that, because of who I am in Christ, I will declare your praises. The more that you know your identity, the more natural this will become to you. The more that you know who you are, the more naturally you'll look even for opportunities to say, man, God extended this to me. In Christ, it's unbelievable. This is my standing before my creator. The more that you know your identity, the more that will flow from you. If you said to me today, if you said, Jeff, you need to get on the platform today, and you need to use your entire 35 minutes to say this, you need to tell everybody. How much you love your wife, Christina, I would say to you, okay, that's not hard for me. Why is it not hard for me? Because it's true. I love her. And so you know what that means? That will flow naturally from me. Here it is. When your identity is consumed by, okay, this is how God sees me, it will become natural for you. It won't seem like a to-do at all. It will just flow from your heart You will declare the praises of God. You will declare the excellencies, some translations say. The fact that he took me out of darkness into light. The fact that he took me from having no mercy to I'm a child that lives in complete mercy and grace. Our response becomes not easy, but it becomes an overflow. Again, and that happens in what context? It happens in the context that you know who you are. In church, you have to fight for your identity. You have to fight for the fact that you are a chosen people, that you are a holy nation. You have to fight for the fact that you belong to the royal priesthood. You have to fight for the fact that you are God's chosen possession. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and just get out of bed and go, wow, I feel like God's special possession today. That will not happen. You have to go to God's word and you have to say, Let this inform my identity. Let this impact who I am. And so my call to action this morning is this. It's very simple. One word, here it is. This week, would you remember? This week, would you simply remember who you are? Would you remember what is true about you? Would you say, you know what? I'm not going to fight for the approval of other people. I'm not going to get my self-worth based on my title. I'm not going to keep listening to this lie and that lie that throws me completely off no i'm going to simply remember when god sees me what does he see is my identity does it match up with the does how i perceive myself in christ match up with how god perceives me in him because when those two come together it will change your life not an overstatement you know i know people who walk in their identity really well and uh One of the things that I notice about them more than anything else is this. When adversity comes their way, they're able to get through it. And I don't mean get through it like just kind of just fight through it. But I mean that there's like something different about how adversity uh, challenges their life. And we all will face adversity, or you maybe are right now. But what I notice is this, people whose identities are very clear, like they know I'm a chosen child of God. God dearly loves me. When people live in that, they get through adversity in a different way. They have this overwhelming sense of confidence and peace. It's It's like this, they have circumstances in their life, and I have no idea what your circumstances are right now. No idea. And I have no idea what your circumstances will be. But I do know this, if your identity can become rooted in Jesus Christ, it will change the way that you get through things. You'll be able to walk with a different confidence. You'll be able to look at your job differently. You'll be able to look at your family differently. You'll be, you'll feel pressure in a whole different way. You'll realize, okay, that's, that's not for me to bear. I give that to God, and I know this, that my importance, that my worth in life is not measured by what I do, but it is rooted in who I am. Don't get that confused, church. What you do is one thing, but who you are is the foundation for everything. And so I want to pray for us this morning, and I just want to go back to this question. Here it is. What is true about you? What is true about you? Like when God looks at you, I mean, you know this, if you're a parent, when you look at your child, if your child goes and they mess up, that doesn't change their standing with you. You don't say, well, yeah, you messed up, and so you're not my child anymore. You just don't do that. What is true about you? Here's what's true about you. You are a chosen people. You're a part of a holy nation. You know what you are? You're a part of the royal family, the royal priesthood. You have full access to God. And lastly, you are God's special possession. And that's just not nice, lift you up talk. That's truth. That's who you are. And So my prayer for us today is this church, that we would lean into our identity and that for the next seven days, I challenge you each day to ask yourself this question, what is true about me? And is. Is my identity, what I say about myself, does it line up with what Scripture says about who I am, about what my Heavenly Father says about me? Okay, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's pray to that end, that we would lean into our identity. So yeah, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And Father, thank you so much that you don't, you don't leave this cloudy for us. You let us know exactly who we are in you. And I just want to give you a minute, church, here, just to say just to go before God and say this, if you've let your title or you've let your aspirations or you've let a sin in your life, whatever it is, if you've let anything other than Jesus Christ himself be your primary thing that you identify with and it marks your identity, would you just confess that to him right now? And would you just say, Lord, I give that to you. I've let this identify me and it shouldn't. And then, Lord, would you remind us this morning of who we truly are, that we are your chosen people. Father, we thank you that we are your special possession. God, that if if You if we strayed from you, God, it would break your heart. Why? Because we're your special possession. So, Father, thank you that we can walk in our true identity. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Great, everybody. Let's, let's stand together and we'll sing.